This episode is brought to you by Michigan Economic Development Corporation. In Michigan, you can have both a rewarding career and a quality lifestyle with plentiful career opportunities in world-changing, innovating industries, from electric vehicles to clean energy to biotech, with room for advancement no matter where you are in your career. Plus, Michigan offers a welcoming, beautiful, affordable, and inclusive community for all. Live your best life. You can in Michigan. Visit themichiganlife.org. Monarch Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch Legacy of Monsters, streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. I just want to jump in here with a quick note about some changes that are happening. This podcast is now going ad-supported. What that means is I will be releasing select episodes from the hundreds of episodes I have archived now on Patreon and releasing them here. A lot of these were recorded a couple of years ago during 2020 especially. However, I have gone through them and deemed that the parenting information was still really relevant. So just be aware that some of these releases may be out of order chronologically. Also, if you would like to listen to the podcast ad-free, you can still join Patreon. I'll still be releasing podcasts there with a few bonuses. One is that it will be ad-free. One will be that you get the podcast slightly earlier than everybody else. And I'll also be doing a bonus episode every month with a Q&A that's patron specific. So if that's something you'd like to do, you can join for a dollar a month and we'll see you there. Thanks, guys. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hey, you guys. Welcome, welcome. So today we're going to do a little bit of a mishmash because I had a lot of questions, a lot of things come up in my uh, my personal life, my Instagram page. So I just wanted to jump in with various topics. First and foremost, it has come up that we often have different parenting relationships. By that, I mean, I work with a ton of different kinds of families, and some are separated but living in the same house. I have worked with polyamorous couples. I have worked with open marriages. I have worked with thruples, which is like a three-way partnership. I have worked with marriages that are really just about like a brother-sister contract, like a we're going to be in this financially together, but it has come up. Like, what does this do to the kids? Do kids need a heteronormal relationship to feel love, to understand how relationships work? And so I wanted to share a story that happened to me when I was 24 years old. I went out to dinner with a whole bunch of people and there was this couple that they were on like 60 years of marriage. It was pretty cool. And they were all over each other. (laughs) I was like, what? I asked the woman, I was like, how are you? How are you maintaining this marriage this long with this much affection? And she said, oh, honey, we've never tried to live together. 
And I thought that was the funniest thing. That was when I was 24. And it has really kind of reshaped my idea about relationships, marriage, children, etc. So they had two houses, obviously very privileged in San Francisco. <laughs> they had six kids and the kids could bounce between houses. They could be wherever they wanted and nobody suffered. So naturally, as the uh, social archaeologist that I fancy myself, I look and I go, okay, well, why didn't those kids suffer? Two different houses, right? Because the parents loved each other and all was good. So no matter what kind of relationship you find yourself in, don't worry about the children as long as you are being kind to each other. So you are teaching your child how to love by loving your other parent, your co-parent, your ex-spouse, the whole community that you have involved, whatever your situation is, the children will be okay if you love each other and treat each other with respect, with kindness. Yeah, it's the contention. Like if you get a divorce, the only thing that wrecks a kid is that the parents start using the kids against each other, right? Or against the parents. So anyway, I felt like I needed to address that topic. Next up, I want to address FOMO and Instagram and Facebook. And y'all know I gave up Facebook, which has been unbelievably good for my soul. However, (laughs) I think we really need to sink into like the FOMO, fear of missing out. And it is when we see things on social media that are perfect, that are lovely, and we're like, what? That's not my life. I don't understand. And so I posted a reel the other day. It came with some like prefabricated music about can we normalize normal houses? And I realized, oh my goodness, I have been trying to up my real game on Instagram. And I get super intimidated because there are all these kitchens, this like granite countertop, open concept, all neutral tones. And it really literally, I was feeling like, well, my little shitty house in the woods doesn't compare. Like I thought I couldn't do reels because I didn't have the fancy kitchen. And so I think that's just a really good example of FOMO and how social media can affect us. And you guys know me, I'm pretty strong woman, (laughs) pretty strong in my parenting ideals. And even I was affected at that level. I honestly don't know how to fix it, except that I have been committed to being as real as I can. I'm trying to post reels as the thoughts occur to me. And maybe I don't have makeup on. Maybe my hair isn't washed. Maybe my armpits are shaved. (laughs) But I'm trying to stick to like as real as humanly possible. And I don't know if you guys have ideas on how to fix this. I honestly don't know, but we have to pay attention to it and that it really does affect us. And I'm barely on Instagram. I barely see things and it's affecting me. So I go, okay, what if you're on it all the time that it must really be affecting you? Okay, moving on. So I had a question about sensory issues. And I know in the last episode, I had answered uh, Sky's question about like physical boundaries and that our kids are really struggling. but. Sensory issues are at an all-time high, and I I don't know if it's because of the pandemic. I don't know if it's environmental. I really, I honestly don't know, but it's at an all-time high. I really relate it back to the pandemic. And so what I have sort of tracked in my work is that when you might think your kid has sensory issues, 
So number one, like how do you diagnose it? How do you know that you're out of the range of normal? Because one of the aspects of the pandemic that was so crazy making is we lost even our tiny villages of moms with kids of the same age range where we'd get together with mom groups. And so we stopped kind of knowing what was normal and what wasn't normal. And so for the sensory issues, it's really about transitions. And I can relate that back to the pandemic because we had no transitions or transitions were really kind of hard, scary. People were masked. Everybody was very on guard, right? Stay away from me. Don't, don't come close to me. Don't hug me. So we had this like attitude that might've scared kids. So now we're dealing with them, quote unquote, in real life with these sensory issues. Monarch Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch Legacy of Monsters, streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. So one thing I have been noticing, though, is try to peg your child. If you think your child has a sensory issue, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're diagnosable or that they need any services, but like what is going on? Do they have like a sensory issue with auditory or is it tactile? So tactile would be like tags on clothes or like, oh, my clothes feel too rough. Auditory would be if a siren goes off, your child like kind of goes through the roof. So what I have been noticing in my work is that with the sensory issues, it's really about transitions and parents are noticing that playgrounds are especially tricky. A lot of kids, a lot of sensory input. It is very nerve wracking and it makes these kids kind of go wonky. So I've been really sitting on this and I'm like, all right, how do we solve this particular problem with these kids right now? And I think the answer might be small play groups. So if you can find a couple of friends that you, you know, trust that you can actually say, Hey, listen, I think my kid's having a really hard time with some sensory stuff. Do you think we could work this out? And so smaller playgroups and try to avoid things like the playground. I know if your kid goes to daycare, you, you can't avoid like crowds in that sense, but if you can avoid the big playgrounds or any setting like Disney, Chuck E. Cheese, any setting in which there's a ton of kids that might be helpful. It really does come down to like pegging what the sensory issue is. So there could be auditory, again, visual. There can be things that like jack up the nervous system. So the body starts to go crazy. So if you can start to pinpoint that, that would be a long way in helping you how to figure out to better deal with it. And again, I do think smaller playgroups is the answer. And really being honest with each other, other mom friends and saying like, My kid is really hurting. I don't know how to help right now, but could we like get together and work on this thing together? And that also will go a long way in helping. All right. And lastly, I want to bring up, this is a sort of big topic. Okay. So it came to my attention. There was a thing on uh, Facebook like a year ago that there are people who have an inner monologue and there are people who don't. Literally, their brains don't work with an inner monologue, which I think is astounding because my inner monologue is going all the time. And hearing people online describe it, they were like, nope, no, no, no. I never talk to myself. I never have a voice in my head. 
I was like, oh, interesting. It led down this whole path. And it was a path that my friend Jen and I kind of talked out together, but we kind of led into personality types and there's all different kinds of personality types. So like you could have the Enneagram. I like the four attachment styles, right? That's based in psychology. Are you an empath? Are you an introvert, extrovert? Are you into astrology? So we have all these sort of funny ways of labeling ourselves. And I think labels are good because they help us define who we are, or maybe they help us see our blind spots. And my friend had asked me, she said, I wonder if certain personality types make parenting even harder. And I was like, huh, well, let me dive into this a little bit and let me see. How I look at a subject like this is anything that helps me look at myself, look at my shit, unpeel the onion layers a little bit more is very, very helpful. So for example, you might think that I am an extrovert, right? I present as an extrovert. I'm very outgoing. I love people. I love crowds. However, I do not recharge with people. I recharge by myself. And so I like that definition of extrovert versus introvert because I was like, oh yeah, like for every party I go to, I need a day off in bed (laughs) recovering. And then I realized I was much more of an introvert, but that helped me manage my energy. So I don't really care about the label. It's just like, I can plan better and say, oh yeah, thank you. I'll go to that party. Oh no, I can't do anything the next day. So again, it's a way to look at our shit, right? And we're all human. It's all good. There's no right or wrong. But when we know each other and we can give each other the information that makes for a healthier relationship. So while this leads into the personal part, I started dating somebody that I am pretty smitten with and I'm happy. I had to present him with the four attachment styles because I was like, listen, you need to know that I am actually fearful avoidant. And so I've tried really hard. I don't know if you guys remember from previous podcasts, but we had gone through the four attachment styles and there's secure, there's avoidant, there's anxious, and then there's fearful avoidant. And I fall into fearful avoidant if I'm not actively working on myself. I'm pretty sure I can be a secure attachment now, (laughs) but working through my shit, I am fearful avoidant. And so I was presenting him with this. It's like a paradigm, right? Like these four attachment styles so that I'm not making him guess at my personality. I'm not making him guess at my behavior that if I dip in and out, like sometimes with fearful avoidant attachment styles, and when things get a little scary for me, vulnerability wise, I will jump in and out. It almost looks like a cat and mouse game, right? And so I wanted to give him the pieces of the puzzle so he could say, oh, you're doing your thing, Jamie. You're doing your thing. I'm right here. So then he could show up the way he wants to show up. And it's been really, really, really (laughs) good and very helpful. And then also with the introvert, extrovert. So when I do start dating, I get locked into these relationships where the person wants to be with me all the time. I don't like that. He said, no, no, I'll just, I'll just hang out with you and I'll just like do my work on the computer. And I was like, but you would be breathing my air. He was like, holy fuck. (laughs) So anyway, it's neither good or bad. I think it's really worth unpeeling those layers, whether it's the Enneagram, whether it's astrology, crystals, the attachment styles, 
introvert, extrovert, empath, however you know yourself best so you can describe it to the people around you. That is key because we had this really great moment, this guy, his name's Steven. We had this really great moment where he was like, oh, this is crazy. Like you're, the way you're talking is so great. Like it would be nice to know what I'm up against here. <laughs> and I, I said to him, I said, listen, I don't want to make you guess. I want to give you all the pieces to the puzzle and you put it together and we put it together together. All right. I'm going to end on that. And I hope that was helpful. I appreciate you guys. If you have any questions, any comments, any feedback, I would love to hear it. Okay. Bye everyone. Just a reminder, if you need additional resources, I have Oh Crap Potty Training. I have Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler. Those books are available everywhere you want to find a book. (laughs) You can also go to my website, jamieglowacki.com, where you can book private sessions with me, buy any of my courses. Those are really geared towards potty training help. And also I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook anymore and I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, jamie.glowacki, and I do a lot of lives and uh, usually posting a lot of good information. So those are extra resources for you. And as always, rock on. Have an awesome day.